Thank you all for coming. Welcome to the bridge. I know we're getting kind of a little bit longer starter, so bear with me today. Um, I'm going to dive right into our new series. A while back, I was, uh, many of you know, I was reading up on some facts on kidney stones, and if you've ever had kidney stones, well, then you know that um, you'll do almost anything to uh, Anthony to get that resolved. And so you start reading up on it, you start trying to figure it out. And so I accidentally, while I was doing this, stumbled on this link, you know how that goes. And this sales video started up and this thing grabbed my attention. It was about some kind of a pill that helps remove the bad cholesterol from your body but helps keep the good cholesterol there. And so that, that's actually good for your heart. And so it's real important, this pill they said for people, especially for those who take cholesterol medicine because the cholesterol medicine doesn't make a difference. It just gets rid of both the bad and the good. And so that's not good. And so this pill was also, and for somebody who's had any heart issues or anything like that, that's an important thing. And then, so I, it grabbed my attention. And, and as I was reading through it, um, it's good to see different faces in different areas. It's, I'm just kind of looking up and going, hey, they did come today. No, I'm teasing. But, but uh, it also said that this pill would give you energy. You know, I'm like, hey, that's cool. I'll take some energy. And so it had gone on, this pill was, was becoming, it said, so popular that they couldn't make it fast enough. And, and, and the video just kept going on and on. And I was like ready to push the button to buy, but it just kept going on and on and on. And by the time it was done, it turns out I was lucky enough that they just had a couple bottles left. <laughs> if I was interested in this life-saving pill, your life can be changed for only $29.95 and um, $3 for shipping and handling course, and the package offered to you today, it would normally be $49.55, but today it's $29.95, so a fantastic price, and I'm not making you, it says, I'm not making you any promises, but the very last sentence says, I guarantee this will work, change your life for $29.95. When we see this stuff, I begin to wonder, who buys this stuff? Who buys it? <laughs> I bought it. You see, it's you and I that buy this stuff because we're looking for anything that will help us change our lives for the better, to take something that's out of control and, and bring it back into control. And, and they say there's over 2,000 self-help books written every year. We buy them. We buy them. What is it that's out of control in your life? Um, what do you have a hard time controlling? There's something for everyone, right? What do you have a hard time? Is it your temper? Uh, one wife said that my husband's so temperamental, 90% temper, 10% mental. Thank you for getting that one. I've been having trouble with jokes lately. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, one time uh, here a while back when I told the joke, we got to the restaurant and somebody says, I still don't get that joke. Anyway, is it, uh, is it spending that's out of control, ladies? Uh, I, I can't talk about that one because this past week, you know, we've been holding out for buying a car. We've been holding out for a long time. I've had my car for 11 years and 210,000 miles, and it's a good car. And so something happened where I thought it wasn't going to be a good car anymore. And I took it to the shop, and I'm thinking, Crystal, this is, it. We, this is I'm tired of putting money into this thing. Let's go check out what we can get. So we ended up buying a car while it was in the shop, and the guy back says, oh, it's okay. <laughs> so um, anybody want a car? Tom? Where's Tom at? He's over there usually. Now, where's he at? He's in the back. Yeah. I'm going to try to work that out where we were talking about the other day. Anyway, is it eating that's out of control? If that's not my problem, but it may be yours. Another joke. How about finances? Finances out of control. Um, Financial Peace University. How about work? Guys, this week... I want to tell you something. God did something for me this week, but I was, I, I was overwhelmed. And I began to feel the weight. I don't know if you've been like this before, but I began to feel this overwhelming weight in my heart. And it was in my heart. It was like, it was like kind of scrunching and putting stress on me. And I couldn't sleep that night because of this, what was going on. And I just, it was overwhelming. I couldn't sleep. I had to get up early in the morning and, and I had to hit it, you know, Jen working. And, and, and I could not think because of this that was going on. I couldn't think. And it was just, it was, it was overwhelming. It's, I, I don't know how to describe it anymore. And I began to pray, Lord, help me with this thing. Isn't it good to know the Lord? And I began to pray. But sometimes, does it ever feel like to you like your prayers aren't even hitting the ceiling? And I'm praying all day long, like, Lord, don't you hear? I'm struggling here. I mean, I'm going to have a heart attack. But it's just like God to say, no, 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 no. I hear you. I hear you. I I'm in this turmoil, right in the middle of it. Crystal can be a witness to this. I'm right in the middle of this. And I get a text. I get a text from Sam. Sam is one that listens to the Holy Spirit. If you've ever been around him enough to know, you know this. And he sends me a text and he says, Pastor, are you okay? God, I, I know now you hear me. I know that you hear me. It was getting past the ceiling. God was hearing me, and he began to share some thoughts with me. And it wasn't but an hour later. An hour later, I got a phone call from somebody who God has just placed in my life. And what he had to say just completely lifted this from me. 
Isn't it like God to do that? I slept like a baby that night. I slept like a baby. Thank, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So what is it that's out of control? Is it your moods? Do you get in moods? You know, what is it that's out of control? Is it drinking? Is it, is it sexual desires? Is it procrastination? You know, is it, is it bad habits? I'm taking a long time to get through this, guys. Bear with me. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be in a series that I'm calling Great Escape. And I want to talk to you about how do you get rid of, how do you, how do you, um, let go of how do you escape from the hangups and, and, and the hurts and the habits and the things that are just out of control in your life, the things that are messing up your life. And today, I just want to lay the foundation for our series. And, and my title today is A Fight with Myself. A Fight with Myself. So I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about the problem. Um, why I can't change. I want to talk about God's promise of freedom, of escape. And I want to talk about just laying a couple things down for a foundation, okay? That's what I'm going to do, and uh, Lord willing. And so the first one, the problem, Paul summarizes it really good. Some of you that are in the uh, Romans small group maybe have already covered this. And if you haven't, you probably will. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15 and 16, and then 18, it says, my, Paul says, my own behavior baffles me. I can't, I can't even figure myself out, <clears throat> he says. For I find myself doing what I really hate and not doing what I really want to do. I often find that I have the desire to do good, but I don't have the power to do it. I don't accomplish the good I set out to do, and the evil that I don't really want to do, I'm always doing now, if how many can relate to this just a little bit? Just a little bit? If you're human, you can relate to this. It's a back and forth thing. <clears throat> he says, all the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing, and all the things that I, I do want to do, I, I end up not doing. Like, like I want to do what's right, but I don't. I, I, I want to do what's, I, I don't want to do what's bad, but, but I do that. The cowboy who become or became a Christian said, I feel like there are two horses, this is not a joke, um, pulling in opposite directions in my life. And, and which one wins, he says, it's whichever one he says giddy up to. And that's true, isn't it? We're in a civil war inside. Part of me wants to do the right thing. Part of me doesn't want to do the right. It's like a clash between Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. In Mark chapter, Jesus said in Mark chapter 14, he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen. Have you ever started a new habit or broken a bad habit and you find yourself just in a few weeks just back right back to the same thing? About those New Year's resolutions. Anybody still got them? We're here in February. Resolutions, they, they, they really don't work. Good intentions are rarely good enough. And there's things that are a result of just doing out of good intention. Like, for instance, confusion. It causes confusion. Look at Paul. He says, it baffles me. Why my own behavior? It, it baffles me. Why do I keep making the same mistakes? Why am I so resistant to, to change? 
Why can't I figure out why I do what I, what I don't want to do? I don't understand myself, he says. Why do I act in, in ways that I know are bad for me in the end? And, and then the next thing that happens is it becomes frustrating. It's like Paul says, I, I have the desire to do what's right, but I don't have the power to do anything about it. Most of you, some of you probably haven't had to worry about this, but most of you have been on a diet before. I'm getting ready to go on one. <laughs> you start in the morning with great intentions, don't you? And it's like midway through the day, it's like, uh, slipping just a little bit, just a little bit here. And by the end of the day, it's like, oh, I got no power at all. And at that point, a balanced diet for me looks like two of those five guys' burgers in both hands. I mean, like, I'm ready. Listen, I, I, I want to change, but I don't know how. I, I, I've got the, the motivation, but I don't have the determination. I, I've got the, the desire, but I don't have the power to do it. That's the problem with self-help books. They tell you how to do it, but they don't give you the power, do they? No self-help book, book does that. They say, drop all of your bad habits. Yeah, who doesn't know that? Give me some power to make that change. Give me some energy. Don't tell me what to do, what to do. Give me some power. Paul says, I'm confused. I'm frustrated. Uh, I, I get in this cycle like a squirrel in a cage that's like, you know, uh, I'm sorry, you're forgiven. I'm sorry, you're forgiven. I'm sorry, you're forgiven. And you just keep going on. I keep stumbling. I get back up and I keep stumbling again. And then finally, what happens is you become defeated. You become, you know, to the point where you're discouraged and, and, and it's an, ama- an agonizing situation. He says, I'm, I'm losing the battle. I, I've totally lost it. My life is a mess, a failure. I just can't seem to change. There are things in my life that I wish I could change, but I don't have the power. I don't have the power. How many promises have I made to God. How many promises have I made to myself that I've broken? Finally, you just get so tired and you get, it's like, forget it. I mean, I'm done. forget that. I'm not gonna make it. It's over, I'm done. And if you felt this way, I've got good news for you today. You can change. You can change. The power is there. You can change. The next several weeks are for you. You don't have to stay in this circle of of failure and defeat and failure and defeat and failure and defeat. You can change. The Bible makes these principles very, very clear. And now I want to go to God's promises. In John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said, when you know the truth. When you know the truth, capital T. When you know the truth, the truth will do what? It'll set you free. When you know the truth, the truth. Focus on set you free. Escape. Freedom. But notice that the secret uh, uh, to personal change is not, it's not, everybody hear me, it's not willpower. 
uh, willpower doesn't work. It's not fat farms and pills and, and, and resolutions and gimmicks like I got myself into. Jesus said that the way that you break free from a herd of hang up, something that's out of control, is by knowing the truth. Knowing the truth. Listen, listen up. The way that you think, listen close here, the way that you think determines the way that you feel. The way that you feel determines the way that you act. If I'm acting depressed, it's because I feel depressed. And if I feel depressed, it's because I'm thinking depressed. Most of us, we try to work on, on the actions. We try to work on the, the, the outward appearance, the external uh, behavior, if we will. I'm going to force myself to quit. I got to quit this thing, whatever it is. And God says, you start with the way you think. And when you know the truth, it comes out in your life. Bad habits, guys, cause bad behavior. Everything that you do, good or bad, is based on a belief. It's based on a value that you're holding either consciously or subconsciously in your mind. And if you wanna change the way that you act, You have to change the way that you believe, the way that you think. We've talked about this a little bit before. You've got to have, though, the truth. You've got to have the truth. Behind every self-defeating behavior that we have is a lie. Is a lie. Everybody say it's a lie. It's not true. I'm accepting something that's not true about my life. I'm believing something about myself that's not true. I'm believing something about others that's not true or about God that's not true or about success or failure that's not true or about my life that's not true or about my past that's not true. I'm accepting that. The the way I'm thinking at this, the perception that I have of the present and the future, it's not true. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. In the next several weeks, we're going to expose and uncover and challenge the untruths and and, and faulty misconceptions and misperceptions that keep you hung up, that keep you bound, that keeps your chest just uh, uh, hurting and and, and feeling pressure, and, and it keeps you from being unloosed. I believe, I believe, I believe it's going to be a liberating series for some of us. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free today. I want to talk with you about some things that you need to do to get started. Just delaying those, the last little bit, those foundations that I was talking about. And this is the meat of my message. It's not all you need to do. This is not, I'm, saying, I'm not saying it's all you got to do, but it's, it's the foundation. So before we talk about anything else for the next weeks that are going to come about this series, we've got to lay this foundation. So the first one is you've got to acknowledge You've got to acknowledge the root of your problem. Okay? You've got to do that. Uh, this is the starting point for breaking free, is you've got to acknowledge the root of your problem. Whatever uh, uh, you want to change in your life, you must first acknowledge the root of that problem. Most of us have some vague ideas, vague feelings that something's wrong with me. I, I, I don't know what it is. I can't move my finger on it, but something's wrong. God says the problem is the basic attitude that you have. 
the problem is the attitude you have towards life, the attitude that you have towards God, the attitude you have towards yourself. It's a basic attitude and response toward life that is the root of the problem. Remember, we talked about thinking. It's, it's the attitude that is the root. And this attitude has a name. It's not a word that we use much anymore today in our culture. It, it, nobody likes to talk about this word. No one mentions it. It's, it's not a cool word. It's, a, it's an unsophisticated uh, type of word. It, it, it's, it's, we don't like to say it, but it defines this attitude that we're talking about here, and it's sin. Sin, that's the problem. Sin is the problem. What is sin? Now, I want you to hear me really close here. Sin is not getting high on coke. Sin's not getting drunk. It's not running off with somebody else's wife. These are the result of sin. You follow me? They're the result. Sin is an attitude that says, you know what? I'm in charge and I don't need God. I'm in charge of this thing and I don't need God. That's the basic attitude. It's the root of all of our problems. No matter what my problem is, no matter what your problem is, behind it all is a bedrock foundation that says, I'm in charge and I don't need God. It's man's oldest, everybody hear me, it's man's oldest problem. Look back at, at Adam and Eve in Genesis. I'm gonna ignore God, they said, and do my own thing. I got a better way. How'd that work out for all of us? First John chapter one, verse eight says, if we say that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. Here's the thing, guys. We make things worse. We, we make things much, much worse when we pretend, when we act like it's not a problem. I hope, I hope I'm getting through to somebody here today. I hope, I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, you're, you're, but you're not fooling God. You're not even fooling other people. The only one that you're fooling when you say that you got it all together really is yourself. <clears throat> Why, why do you think that you're, you know, who do you think you're kidding? You don't have it all together. Nobody does. Uh, you're only hurting yourself by continuing this. You're only fooling yourself. And really, I don't even think you're fooling yourself. It's like, who, me? I, I, I don't have a problem. I've got my act together. I know what's happening you may be able to fool other people, maybe you'll, you know, you know, but you're not fooling God. And really, like I said before, you're not fooling yourself. In order to stop defeating yourself, you need to stop deceiving yourself. <clears throat> I, I must stop pretending, stop acting like there's no problem. The root problem is that I think that I'm in charge and I don't need God. We weren't made, guys, to live like that. That's not how we were made. I understand that in Alcoholics Anonymous, um, the very first step of AA is admit that I'm powerless to control my situation. 
that, that, and my life has become just unmanageable. To admit that, to admit it up front. The problem is that too often we, we, we have to hit the bottom. We have to go all the way to the bottom before we actually admit that there's a problem. Nobody likes to admit that they can't control the situation that's going on in their lives. That's out of control. Nobody likes to do that. So we get desperate and we hit bottom and we feel the heat and guess what? We start thinking to ourselves, maybe I do need some help. Jerry Carter has a master's in counseling and if you were to ask him what is the biggest problem, he'd probably tell you um, Arkansas's lost to Mizzou next week, probably. No, they probably tell you that people wait too long before they get some help. They wait too long. They, they, they won't acknowledge the problem. I've had um, husbands come to me, and, and I'm not talking here, that, that said, man, you know, my wife just dropped the bomb on me. Um, it's, she's fed up. Marriage is over. And then, the last, and then the next thing he says is, what can I do? I mean, don't get me wrong. God can do anything, but very little sometimes at that point. It's already a little bit too late. The first step to breaking free, the first step to escaping, the first break to freedom is to admit it. Admit it. I've got a problem. I've got a problem. I've got areas in my life that are out of control. I can't control them on my own. I've been in charge and I've been trying to solve it without God. And Jesus said in John chapter eight, verse 34, he says, everyone who commits sin is its slave. Whatever that you refuse to admit enslaves you. If I won't admit it, that it's a problem, it's a bigger problem than you think it is. If you can't even admit it. You say, I feel powerless to change. I can't, I can't get control. I have the desire to change, but I don't have the power to do that. And so here, I don't have any hope. Well, here it is. Our next thing here and part of our foundation is, and we take this so lightly, and I've talked about the, the, the light, how we, how we think of this word sometimes, just like another word in the dictionary or whatever, but believe. Believe that Jesus can change you. That if you don't believe, nothing's going to happen. Romans chapter 7, verse 24 says, Who can free me? Paul is saying, Who can free me from this prison? Sometimes it feels like a prison, doesn't it? The issues that are going on, the problems, the things that are out of control, it feels like you're, you're locked in this, you can't get out. And it says, I thank God there is a way out through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul's saying the answer is a person. The answer is God. God has the power that you're lacking. You, you don't have the power to change, but God does. God's got all the power that exists. Jesus wants to help you. He wants to help you. Listen, we talked about once, the, the things that Jesus wants to do in our previous uh, uh, series. Jesus wants, to change, wants your life to change. He wants that for you. He wants to change your life. He wants to help you get over those hangups and those habits, those things that are out of control, but you've got to believe him. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ can change you. I read this story about a Chinese 
If you know anything about the, the Chinese culture, Christianity over there is not something that they go underground about. Or they die. I read this story about, and they try all different kinds of cultures over there in that culture, so uh, about this, this Chinese uh, Christian who, who came to America to share his, his um, Christian testimony. And he said, I, I had walked through the road of life and I'd fallen into this great ditch of sin. And he said, he tried Muhammad. Muhammad came along and he said, you're not really in that ditch. It's just, you think that you're there. And then he said, he tried Buddha and Buddha came along and, and, and here he says, here are seven steps for how you can get out of that ditch. And if you climb and you struggle, you'll eventually come out. And he said, I tried, but I couldn't get out of it. And then Confucius came along in his life. And here are 10 steps, Confucius said, to self-attainment. He said, follow them and you can get out of the ditch. If, you know, if you'll come halfway, I'll meet you the other half. And, and no matter how much this guy tried and struggled through life, he says, I was still in this pit of sin, of hopelessness and helplessness. And one day he said, Jesus came along in his life. And he said he saw... Jesus saw his condition. How many know that Jesus knows what's going on in your life? He saw his condition. And he says, and without even a word of advice, he didn't try to like, oh, hey, listen, you got to do this. You got to, you know, all that kind of stuff. He didn't do that. He stripped himself of that, of that regal robe, if you will, and got down into the ditch and, and, and into the muck and into the sin. And what did he do? He got down in there and he lifted him up. He lifted him up. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ can lift you up? He can lift you up. Thank God, he said, what I couldn't do for myself, Jesus did for me. And I'm telling you right now, that's the good news right there. That's, that's exactly what Paul was saying in this next verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. He says, for the new spiritual principle of life in Jesus Christ lifts me out. It lifts me out of the old vicious circle of sin. There is, there is, there is a way out. There is a way out. Think on that for a moment. Think on that for a moment. Let, let that sink in. He will lift you out. One of the things I like to do, I like to play golf once in a while, and every once in a while I go play, and I say every once in a while, it's like once a year maybe, I go to Missouri Bluffs. It's kind of expensive, so I don't go there very often. But if you've played there before, there's one hole that probably nobody else knows about unless you've come with me. And, and, and if their people aren't following you too closely, which usually they are, but if they're not, after that hole, I take whoever's playing with me and I run back behind the hole and there's some woods back in there. And you come up to this, you, you come running up to this, people have been with me, know what I'm talking about. You come up to this bluff that is, you're way up there. And you're seeing this incredible, vast, you know, openness here. And I do not like heights. And I'm like, Okay, this is already too close. I'd be way back here, and I'd be like this. Seriously, I would be like this. I always have a fear that somebody being goofy is going to like, eh, you kind of try to push me over. No, it ain't happening to me. I'm like right here, just in case. And one time we were there. I don't know who was with me. Maybe somebody that was here uh, was playing with me. And I'm, I'm back like this, and I'm kind of freaked out about this whole thing. And all of a sudden, underneath this, this uh, bluff here, 
I couldn't see it. All of a sudden, this big, huge eagle comes flying out just right there in front of me. I about lost it. But can you imagine, I see this, see these, the, one of these eagles lying on the ground up there dead. And I pick it up and I, and I kind of, kind of float in there and say, fly off now, eagle. Thump. And I can pick it back up and, and I kind of spread out his wings a little bit, you know, kind of get, get his wings fully out and he kind of, you go down to the mountain. You see, the only thing that can make that eagle fly is a new life. It doesn't need to turn over a new leaf. Way beyond that. He needs a new life. He needs power in those wings. And that's what he's saying here. You know what what Paul was saying? God wants to give us, he wants to give us power. Jesus said, the the truth will set you free. And then in John 14, verse six, what does he say? I am the truth. He said, the truth will set you free. Look at here, I am the truth. He didn't say, I have the truth. He didn't say that I'm pointing to it or I'm searching for it. He says, look here, I am the truth. The truth will set you free. And Jesus said, I'm the truth. And finally, this last part of the foundation here today. And it's just as important, but it has to grow off of the first one. It has, the first one has to be there. And it's commit, commit, commit all that I have, all that I am to Jesus Christ. Commit it all, commit it all. It's the foundation, just the foundation. We'll get into the specifics in the coming weeks, but you need before you can commit all that you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, the hurts, the habits, the hangups, the things that are out of control in your life, you might think, well, my goodness, give me one good reason why I should do that. You know what? Some of you have tried everything else. Some of you have tried every stinking thing out there. And I'm gonna tell you, if, if, if you're not one of those people, don't even bother wasting your life and your time. While I was studying, I read an article by Tony Robbins. Everybody know Tony Robbins? Um, most everybody knows. He's a motivational guy. Um, I've got friends that went to his uh, seminars, walked on fire, all kinds of stuff. Um, that's a true story. <laughs> and I looked up this article on, he had on ways to feel better fast. Ways to feel better fast. When things are out of control in your life and when these you know, hang-ups and hurts and habits, they got you down and, and they're out of control, uh, these are the ways that Mr. Robbins suggests to cope in this world. And, and they're good things. So don't, don't take this wrong. They're good things. 
But it said, he said, sing along with your favorite song. Sing along. That's good. I like that. He said, watch a funny movie. I like doing that. Uh, have a cup of tea with a friend. Talk, or, or taking a walk through a park. All good stuff. Calling on an old friend. Spending an afternoon with your family. Taking a warm bath. We have showers in our condo. And Crystal has been on to me about, I want a bathtub. We just got a car, so. Um, <laughs> we can figure out a way to get some water in there. Reading a newspaper on the front porch. And guys, I'm just going to say, is this the best that the world can come up with? Is it the best? This guy's pretty renowned. And I'm not knocking him. But he's a human being. You you may have tried some of this stuff. And and I'm going to say this. Why don't you try Jesus? Why don't you just try him? Shall we stand? When I read that kind of stuff, I, I make, I'm going to tell you something. I make no apology to stand here before you and say, Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the answer. He's the answer. There are millions and millions of people throughout history who are living proof. Guys, there are people in this room right here today, living proof that he changes lives. He changes lives. And you know what? Nobody else does. He changes lives. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, when anyone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new, everybody say brand new, a brand new person inside, inside. He's not, listen to me, he's not the same anymore. A new life, the Bible says, has begun. Guys, this right here, this is real change. You plug into God's power, contrast to Tony's statement several years back, Time Magazine cover had Jesus' picture on it and said, who was Jesus? By the way, it's pretty amazing that 2,000 years later, Jesus is on the cover of the Time Magazine, which I know he's been on there more than that. And he'd probably say, who cares? (laughs) A couple of weeks after this article went out, scholars debated who was Jesus. And there was a letter to the editor that said, as far as I'm concerned, the liberal theologians can keep their historical Jesus in their cut and paste Bible. He says, I'm a former alcoholic and an adulterer. Set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Set free by Jesus Christ, the one you had on the cover. Who cares about higher criticism when the resurrected power, he said, of the Son of God can transform you right here, right now.
There might be some people, someone here today that's feeling like that. I don't know if I'm gonna get through this. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it out of this. But I'm here to tell you that just like I said, there are people that are in this room and they go to this church that have been transformed. You would not know their lives. You would go, no way they did that. But they're right here in this building, transformed, changed by God. And I'm here to tell you that he hasn't stopped. He's still in that business today. In fact, he's here right now. And I, like I said before, he wants to change your life. If there's something that's out of control in your life, he wants to change. He wants that. He wants that. I think could be under pressure right now about this whole Christianity thing. And and you know what? If I do this, then I gotta go, I gotta become a Christian. I gotta, I gotta, and you know what? Um, if I do that, it's like uh, today in our world, in our schools, in our careers, in, in our jobs, in our work, and our neighbors. You're, listen to me. I want you to listen to me because I've witnessed this. They think you're soft if you're a Christian. It's because you show a kind heart that you're soft, that you can't get the job done. And I'm going to tell you something. That's not the case. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The Spirit God gives us, listen to this very closely, the Spirit God gives us doesn't make us timid. It hasn't made me timid. Am I still kind? Of course I'm kind. I love people. I'm going to do anything I can to help them. But listen to what it says. Is instead, this is what he gives the Spirit for. Instead, it says it fills us with what? <laughs> is that soft? God's power, is that soft? with love and with self-control. God doesn't, he doesn't want to make you soft. In fact, I don't think you could be a Christian. I'm just being honest with you. A real, somebody who's just not ashamed. I don't think you'd be a real Christian to be soft. He says, I, I want to give you power to make the changes that you need in your life. I, I want to I give you love to build lasting relationships. And I want to give you self-control to stop defeating yourself. And my question is to you today, are you tired? Are you tired of trying to force?
force yourself to change and just keep coming up short. See, I'm not pulling this thing off. I'm just not making it happen. When I, when I try to force myself to change, willpower doesn't, it doesn't work, guys. Here's my advice to you. My advice is to you, to you is, is stop trying and start trusting. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says this, and I end with this verse. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, woo, there's freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom. Amen, amen. While we begin to sing, while they begin to sing, if you would, make your way up to get the uh, communion supper. Yes, at this time we'd like to take communion. and I'd like to pray over communion. We're going to go ahead and start singing as you all make your way and, and get communion. We want you to go back to your seats and, and at your own liberty at your own timing we'd like you to take communion this morning and uh, we want to just usher in his presence and um, and take this moment to just acknowledge him and what he's done for us and we ask that you would just worship along with us as you finish up amen go ahead and start making your way Of your name. 